When Robin and I were a young couple, we were attending the Southern Hills Church of Christ in Abilene, and we were invited one Sunday afternoon to Jack, Jack and Jenny Qualls' house. And you probably never heard of Jack and Jenny Qualls, but you might have heard of somebody else that was there. Uh, Rick Ashley was at lunch that day, he and his wife Jamie. And Dan Coker and Elise Coker, who were longtime missionaries in, in uh, Latin America, were there that day as well. And we were invited as the new people uh, to the church, building relationships, having a chance to get to know these people. And there's a sense in which that meal cemented the relationship that we had with that church. And there were people there that day, like Rick and Jamie, for example, that we still see. I, if we go down to the Pepperdine Bible lectures, it would be common for us to see Rick and Jamie actually there and to spend time with them. And all of that happened because of a meal that we shared together. It was interesting. At that meal, the Cokers and the Qualls and the Ashleys were all from Texas. And so they explained to the two Oregonians that were there that day, fresh off the, out of the car, I guess, driving down to Texas, that what we were eating was not actually beef, it was actually armadillo. And they had us convinced that we were actually eating armadillo. And I don't think it was till the end of the meal that we maybe got a clue that it wasn't actually armadillo that we were eating. Which reminds me of um, when Robin and I had some folks up from California to do a teacher's workshop in Victoria. And one of the ladies that was there, Judy Eby, was, uh, she was one of the teacher trainer people, uh, was quite prim and pro- proper. I, I mentioned to Carol Ason, I said, Carol, I'm going to mention you t- today on my sermon. You know, I, when I see Carol, Carol, you always look neat as a pin. You just always look so proper. I think when I see Carol Ason, I think, there is a lady. And this is how I thought of Judy Eby as well. She was just a lady and always proper, prim, maybe. And y- you would know that when Judy sat down to a meal that everything was going to g- be just perfect. Uh, at that meal. Well, at, we had Judy and a friend of her, Sharon, there for supper, probably after church or maybe the first night they were there or something. And Kelly got it into his head that he was going to serve them the latest game that they had killed. Um, my friend and I, and, and the latest game that we served them that day was Black Bear. And I'm sure that Judy and Sharon had never eaten Black Bear before in their lives. And, and I'm not sure if we, I don't think we told them beforehand what it is that we were going to eat. But one of the telling uh, signs as to what we were eating was that as Judy sifted through her roast that was on her plate, because Kelly's not such a great butcher, there were several Black Bear hairs that were showing up in the meat. And so she was this fine lady taking her knife and fork and carefully taking the hairs and positioning them off the side and then eating the rest of the roast. So you never know what you're going to experience when you go to somebody's house. They might tell you that it's armadillo. And you might for a while wonder if maybe they're serious. Or you might have black bear and have to sift through the hairs in the midst of the meal. And so being at someone's house for an occasion like that where someone has been hospitable to you, I suppose there is some risk involved. But what we're going to see today is that the blessings that come from being hospitable to others and experiencing hospitality are way 
uh, superior to whatever risks there are in terms of what we might experience when hospitality is shown. I want us to look at a couple of passages from the Bible. And it's interesting, what John did here today in terms of unearthing an artifact that represents hospitality is exactly the way the Hebrew culture was. And we're going to show this uh, in just a second here by looking at Genesis. Grab a Bible from underneath the seats if you want to, or if your own Bible, Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. If you're grabbing one from underneath the seats, it's going to be on page 11. Genesis 18, verses 1 through 8. And here's what the Bible says. It says, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting on, at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. And Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. So the text says that the Lord was going to go meet Abraham, and in fact, that's what he does. So there's some sense in which one of these three is a representative of the Lord, is the Lord meeting with Abraham. And here's his response in verse 3. He said, "'If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by.'" Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you've come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. And so Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sepas of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. I was, uh, first service, I was thinking, this sounds like Kelly saying to Robin, oh, by the way, we're having somebody for dinner tonight. I forgot to tell you, but here we go. Fortunately, she wouldn't have to, to make all the flour herself. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. Probably not black bear. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. And while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Now, in a sense, that's just a story. And it doesn't even sound like at first there's a whole lot to say about that story. But at least at this point, there's the notion of hospitality. Very common in the ancient world, certainly in the Hebrew culture, for there to be that kind of hospitality. Somebody shows up, three men walk into your presence at your tent, and all of a sudden you're going in and saying, let's fix these people a meal. And you're killing the calf, making flour, making a special meal for those who have suddenly come upon you. Now I want you to turn to Job chapter 31. Job chapter 31, page 376. And here Job is talking about his own character. He says, If I have rejoiced at my enemy's misfortune or gloated over the trouble that came to him, I have not allowed my mouth to sin by invoking a curse against their life. And then he says in verse 31, if those of my household have never said, who has not been filled with Job's meat? But no stranger had to spend the night in the street for my door was always open to the traveler. That's interesting. Job, also a Hebrew, has this character about him where he is a hospitable man, willing to open up his table and open up his home and have others come in and be with him. In fact, strangers that he doesn't even know. Now, this is interesting because if I was to ask you, if I said, what are Abraham, now just think about Abraham for a second, what are Abraham and Job both known for in the Bible? Let's, uh, let's not think about what we just read. 
Let's just think about Abraham and Job for a moment and just ask the question, who are these guys? What are they most known for in the Bible? What would you say? Faith. Yeah, absolutely. Abraham is the father of faith, the Bible says. Job is this one who no matter how bad things get for him, Job remains faithful. And so here we have two faithful guys, and we would think, well, these are what characterize them as faithful people. But what's interesting is that faith in Abraham and faith in Job produces in both of them hospitality. They both end up being hospitable people, noted for this, apparently. The scriptures indicate their hospitality. Sure, they're Hebrews. This is part of their culture. But they, because of their faith, end up being uh, hospitable. Now, that fits with the rest of the Old Testament in terms of the request on the part of God to his people for them to be hospitable people. I want you to look at this, Deuteronomy chapter 24. Page 142, and when you turn there, this is interesting, it says, when you are harvesting your field and you overlook a sheaf, don't go back to get it. So you leave something out in the field, don't go back and clean it up. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, don't go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. And when you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, don't go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That is why you do this. And it's interesting, that last line about you were slaves in Egypt. There is some sense, I think, that in being slaves in Egypt, we were remote. When I say we, the Israelites, God's people. They were remote. They were foreigners, certainly in Egypt. But then they were aliens even when they moved into the promised land. They started out as aliens and almost finished as aliens by the time the Romans are there and take over their country. So here we have the Israelites consistently having this this kind of alien-like role, and God is the one who claims them. He brings them out of Egypt for himself. He brings them into a promised land for himself. God clearly is one who's accepting these alien kinds of people. And in that sense, God himself is hospitable. And then I want you to see this passage. Acts chapter 2, look at verse 46 and 47 on page 772 if you're looking in the Bibles underneath the seats. We've read this many times, but it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And then watch this. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And again, the text makes a very specific mention of eating together in homes. So that there's clearly hospitality taking place as people are inviting others into their homes to be with them. So we've got a culture here, the Jewish culture, that is clearly hospitable. And in fact, it would seem as though God is calling his people to be hospitable kinds of people. Now, a couple of other things I want us to see specifically about this whole notion of hospitality. First of all, hospitality is not just a social act, an act of community. It's directly connected to one's life of religious devotion. I mentioned before that Abraham and Job were both faithful people, known for being faithful. 
And then that faith produces in them a kind of hospitality that is even noted within the Scriptures. So it seems as though if we're going to be faithful people, and if I would ask you whether or not you're faithful and you want to do what God wants you to do, that it may well be that hospitality is part of what it is that you do, part of your religious devotion. In fact, I would say that when you do something for somebody in terms of hospitality, listen to this, that you're actually doing something for the Lord. When we serve others, we're, of course, serving God in the process. I don't know if we know just how directly it is that we serve God or we serve Christ when we're in the process of being hospitable. Let me show you what I mean. Um, Well, here, I'll just read this. This is from uh, the Gospel of Matthew. And you know these verses. Listen to this. Jesus says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did that happen? And Jesus said, when you... When did we, or sorry, then they asked, when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? In other words, when were we hospitable to you? And he says, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. What does that say about our hospitality. That when in the process of being hospitable, we serve another, we clearly aren't just serving that person, but in fact are serving God. In fact, the text is saying this, that hospitality is a specific way of serving God and is hospitality an act of kindness shown to others, which is actually an act of service to Christ. Well, it sounds to me like if that's the case that this needs to be taken fairly seriously. But it's interesting how we live in a time where this is not the big deal that it used to be. There are some of you who are old enough in here to remember what it was like generations ago, perhaps, when hospitality and having others over was just part of who we were. Like, do you remember what it was like when you were a kid? John Casella would remember this. There are others that would remember this who grew up in the church or who were young parents, maybe decades ago in the church, who remember what it was like on Sunday afternoon when we would say, well, don't let the preacher preach too long because I got a roast in the oven and we're having people over and I don't want that roast to burn. We were like that. When Jack and Jenny Qualls had us over for supper, along with the Atchleys and the, um, what was the other family that I say? It doesn't matter. The, yes, the Cokers, thank you. When we had them over, or when they had us over, it was part of what they did. We just did things like this. We used to live in a more hospitable kind of culture. Now the fact is, we don't do that like we used to. And it's not just we who don't do this. Our culture doesn't do this like they used to. 
And so for people to be as hospitable as they once were is a little bit strange. It just seems odd to us. In fact, there's a bit of challenge there. If someone invites you over, you wonder uh, what's going on. And And we're skeptical about inviting others over, especially if it's somebody that you don't know. And so while things have changed, it seems as though God, in the relationship that we have with him, is calling us to be something different than that. It's one of the reasons that I appreciate so much the life groups that we have. At least with our life groups, we have an an opportunity, a ready-made kind of opportunity, for us to invite each other into our homes and to have some fellowship. There's going to be some more opportunities, and I want you to listen for those. So that's the first thing, simply that God has called us out of his will to be in fellowship with each other and to spend time with each other and to be hospitable. And it's part of our, our answer to God's call in order for us to do that. But that's not the only thing. Biblical hospitality, hospitality is actually shown to strangers. Notice I italicize those words. It's fascinating the way the Bible consistently calls us to be hospitable, but not just to our friends. Like, I don't know how you guys are in terms of the way that you might invite somebody over, but the fact is, is that if Robin and Kelly invite somebody over, it's probably because we already have a relationship with those people. I was telling the first service, I was convicted by this. We're going to have to do some, some heart change here, Robin Carter, and think about what this means for us to perhaps invite people over that we don't know, that are strangers to us. So if we invite you tomorrow, you know we think you're strangers. <laughs> Listen to this text from Hebrews 13. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. So that's what will happen. You'll come to our house for supper, and it's not because you're strangers. It's because you're an angel. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what to do with the part about angels. It could well be, I suppose, that we serve people who are, in fact, angels. Is that a possibility? Is it possible that divine beings could come and be among us, that one could be here this morning and he's just so well concealed that we don't know? I suppose that's possible. I'm waiting for somebody to go, yeah, it's me. <laughs> I don't know exactly what to do with that, but I know what to do with the other part. That the Lord is calling us to be hospitable to people that we don't necessarily know. People who are strangers. And it's through those kind of events that we build relationships. We didn't know Jack and Jenny Qualls before we went to their house. We didn't know Rick and Jamie Ashley before we went to that that luncheon. But we came to know them, and we came to be friends, because having people over who are strangers allows us to build relationship with them. And God wants us to do that. And so there's a challenge there in this for us. And again, for us to invite people who are not just People already close to this, to, uh, to us. Watch this passage. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Isn't there some kind of statement in there about the kind of inviting that we should do? That we, just, we don't invite just those who are good to us or that we already know? The point is that biblical hospitality is not something we do just for our own pleasure. This is an act of service. 
It can be a sacrifice. It might even be risky. You might eat black bear if you go to someone's home. I've noticed in my own life that sometimes Christian ministry and service can be risky. But sacrificial service is what we're called to do. And often it's sacrificial service that brings to us the greatest blessings of all. And you know, ultimately, you and I were strangers with God. There's a sense in which our sin alienated us, made us aliens from God. And God, through His what we might call hospitality, welcomed me in and you in as a stranger and brought us into Himself. And He cared for us when we were estranged. He brought us into His family so that we could be His children and no longer strangers on the outside looking in. So this morning, this is pretty simple. I want you to think seriously about the possibility of entertaining strangers. It may not be the easiest thing that you've ever done to be hospitable to somebody that you don't know. It may be a bit challenging. There's some Christian service that you may have to enter into, and it may be a bit risky. It may not be perfect in the beginning. But something wonderful could happen if you're willing to take the risk and to put yourself out there into service of someone else and to invite in a stranger. And so here is the question for the morning. Whom will you invite? To whom will you show hospitality? Do you have the strength Do you have the relationship with God that permits you to even make that kind of decision with a stranger? And if you do, I think that God is going to bless you. Let's pray. Lord, you call us quite clearly to be hospitable. And that's because you've been hospitable with us. You've cared. And you've served. And you've blessed us and called us to yourself even when we were strangers. And for that we praise and thank you. Help us to have that kind of perspective, your perspective, that we might reach out to those uh, who, who are strange to us. And build relationships that might ultimately end with them knowing you. We pray these things through Christ. Amen.